Amen. You may be seated. The phone rang, and the person who answered quickly recognized that his doctor was on the line. And after a brief conversation, the doctor got to his purpose of his call. And he said, I have good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Well, the patient replied, give me the good news first. He said, the good news is that you have three days to live. Well, that's the good news? Obviously, the patient replied. Then what in the world is the bad news? And the doctor said, I've been trying to call you for the last two days. That has nothing to do with this message. I just like that. If anything, we could apply it in this regard. It's important for us to redeem the time. Because we never know what tomorrow holds, right? What is our responsibility toward the next generation? If we Google the question, or if we listen to public opinion long enough, we'll discover various schools of thought. And we will also find that opinions are very strong and often divisive. People can get pretty fired up over such issues. We hear a lot today about climate change. And that is something that many are passionate about. Environmentalists believe that we have responsibility to save our planet for future generations. They're concerned about the dangerous effects of pollution, the melting polar ice caps and our oceans rising water temperatures. And the exchange gets even more heated over the subject of fossil fuels and oil, and green energy. You consider our nation's growing debt. There are many who voice concern over our fiscal responsibility toward future generations. There are others who stand their ground for what they believe is a moral responsibility. And our nation is very divided over issues as abortion and same-sex marriage. There are various philosophies concerning educational responsibility and the furtherance of medical and technological advancements. But the responsibility that doesn't make the headlines is one that I think is the most important. And that is our spiritual responsibility to the generations that follow us. I've been reading on the topic of parental and church responsibility to invest in our children, our teenagers and young adults. And much of what I have learned has not come 
of great surprise, but there are some things that are eye-opening and convicting. I want you to see on the screen, if you can read it this morning, I tried to fit it all on there. Dr. Steve Parr and Dr. Tom Kreitz wrote in their book, Why They Stay, 93% of the young adults surveyed who grew up in church and were still involved as adults stated that either they were Christians with a commitment to grow in their faith or even though they weren't perfect, they were Christians with a vibrant faith. In other words, their relationship with God, their relationship with Christ and their commitment to the Word of God mattered to them. Because of that, 93% stayed in the local church rather than leaving it when they, got, when they were old enough to go on their own. You compare it to those who confessed that they were Christians but honestly lacked co- commitment, less than 7% were still active as young adults. So your commitment, teenagers, your commitment right now concerning your faith is going to matter as you become young adults. So obviously the goal for every parent and every church is to promote spiritual health among our children. We're rightfully concerned with their physical health, right? I mean, if, they, if, we, if we notice they feel a little warm, we call the doctor. We're right to be concerned when our children are, and grandchildren are sickly and weak because we want them to be strong and we want them to be healthy. And we're also right to be concerned over their emotional health. We want them to have good self-esteem, self-confidence, and moral character. And rather than suffer the depths of anxiety and depression, we long for our children to live joyful lives filled with more happiness than sorrow and experience more laughter than tears. But how strong are our children growing spiritually? Are they growing in understanding of the Word of God? What is their relationship with Jesus? Do they know Him as their personal Savior? And if so, have they followed the Lord in baptism, publicly identifying with Jesus Christ? Those things matter as they become adults. Did you know that out of those studied... Less than two-tenths of one percent, the actual number is 0.18 percent, were active in church if they did not claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So it is important that our children come to know Christ to be their personal Savior, to confess that and publicly profess that in in baptism and develop in their walk with the Lord. 
And it's not only the responsibility of the preacher. It's not just my responsibility. And it's not just the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher or Pastor Gill in children's ministry or Pastor Johnny in youth ministry to guide a child to those life-changing truths. It is primarily the parent's responsibility. There are some influencing factors that were discovered in some recent surveys that were done. And I want to highlight a few of them to you this morning. Number one is parents who actively help their children grow in their faith matters. Once you turn your Bible to the New Testament... About midway through to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. Now I want you to read something here that God moved the Apostle Paul to write concerning the relationship within the home. Verse number 1. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of that was, how many of you boys, that was your first memory verse? (laughs) Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We, We as parents want our children to know that. Verse number two, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It's important. Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Do you realize, I'm not just speaking to the guys and the ladies sitting in the front row, I'm speaking to, every, I'm speaking to all of us right now. All of us, even as grown adults, it is important that we show our parents respect and honor. You may not, yeah, my dad, amen loud right there. <clears throat> It's not just, we may not agree on everything, but they are still the authority that God placed in our life. They still had a great responsibility. And how we respect and how we honor them and how we treat them, notice in verse 3, it affects our life. Because we should want the blessing of God upon us. Then he writes in verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To nurture means to educate or train. Admonition means to call attention to something by offering a mild rebuke or warning. Studies have shown that the spiritual health of a child is greatly impacted by the relationship that he or she has with both sets of parents. In fact, of those who grew up in church, 65% are more likely to stray from the faith if they do not have a close relationship with their mother. And the number is 50% if they do not have a close relationship with their daddy. And what I want us to notice in Ephesians chapter 6 is that the relationship is reciprocal. 
It says in verse 1 and 2 that children are to obey their parents in the Lord for it's right and they're to honor their father and mother. And the fathers are, are in their relationship with their children not to provoke their children to wrath but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Both of them, at the end, in verse number 1, children obey your parents in the Lord. At, at, at the end of verse number 4, that we're, to, that we're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Both of them, their relationship revolves around a good relationship with the Lord. Amen? Brian, would you come up here, please? BJ, would you come up here, please? <coughs> I want to provide an illustration. BJ, I want you to go over there uh, by the plant on the corner there. And Brian, if you would go this over here. They are father and son. They have a relationship by blood and by birth. Right there is good. Okay? Now, I want to, by way of illustration, okay, I want you to imagine... God standing behind this pulpit, okay? God is the center. He's the center of the room. He's the center of our life. He should be the center of our relationship, okay? Everything should point us back to God. And so if you can picture a triangle, you have Brian over here, you have BJ over here, you have God in the middle. He's the capstone. He is the, uh, the, 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 the head of everything, right? What I want you to do is I want both of you to consider the importance of your relationship with God. Your relationship, all right? And your responsibility to grow in the Lord and to grow closer to Him. And as you grow closer to Him, I want you to make your way towards the center of the room. I want you to just do it really slowly, okay? Brian, you have the same responsibility. You've got to grow in the Lord, okay? It's your responsibility to do that and develop a relationship. So I want you to draw closer to God. He's the center. Now y'all can speed up a little bit and come towards one another. Now here's the thing that I want you to recognize, and that is this. The closer that they get to God, they get to one another. Are you with me? They can, be far, they can be father and son and be very far apart. And unfortunately, in a lot of homes and relationships, that is the case. But if we make God the center of our home and our family, and if each of us recognize we have a, it is important for us to have our own commitment to our faith and grow in our relationship with God. As we grow together towards him, we also grow together towards one another. Thank you. Children have a responsibility to obey and honor their parents in the Lord. And fathers have a responsibility to raise and train them in the Lord. So as parents, we have a responsibility to pray and encourage our children's spiritual growth. But in the process, we must also be growing ourselves. Amen? It's not about us sending our kids to church and sending them to Sunday school. And, and, and we need to have our families in church. And it is important that we have our children in Sunday school and, and, and under the ministry of the Word of God. But it is also important that we are growing in that same process. Secondly, 
Another important factor involving the spiritual health of our children is worshiping together as a family. Research has proven this. Now go all the way back to the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. Genesis is the opening book of the Bible. Exodus is the next book, the second book of the Bible. And I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 12. <coughs> I wish we had time to read the entire chapter because of its importance, but I'm going to focus on verse number 21. Israel has been led out of bondage of Egypt. They are traveling toward the promised land. Well, they're about to come out of Egypt. They are, the Lord is giving them the ordinance of the Passover. And they are to kill the lamb... And they are to take the blood of that lamb. Let's just read it. Verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel on the side post with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you according to as promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service that you shall say? It is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house, houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away. And did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. So they, they killed the lamb, they took the blood, they put it on the sides of the door, they put it over the top of the door, and everybody went into that house. And when the death angel came through, everyone that was under the blood was saved. Everyone who was not under the blood was killed. And on that day, all the firstborn in Egypt lost their life. He says you're to gather your family together. And your children are not going to quite understand this. And there's going to come a time, there's going to come a time when your children are going to want to ask you questions. Why do we do this, Daddy? Why, is, why, is, why do we kill that lamb? What is the blood shed? What is, what is the importance of that? Why do we come together when we worship? God meant for us to worship together as a family. Research has shown that 38% of children who attended worship services separate from their parents were more likely to leave a church when they are a young adult. But before we throw out the idea of children's and youth ministry altogether, 
research has also shown that when done right, they are significantly important as well. So what we must have is a time for all our families to come together. And for us, that is Sunday nights. Right now, our children are being ministered to over in Kids Zone. And it frees you up a little time where you can focus on the preaching of the Word of God. And you can be ministered to. And they can be ministered to. And they're being taught the Word of God. And you're being taught the Word of God. But don't forsake the time when you can sit down with your child and worship God together. Can I get an amen? That is significant in the relationship of their faith. You say, why is that? Because our kids need to sing us, see us singing unto the Lord. They need to witness their parents in worship. They need to sit beside us while our Bibles are open and we follow along. They need to hear us say, Amen. They need to see us giving unto the Lord when the offering plate goes around. And we need to teach them to give as well. They need to see us respond to the message and humbly go to the altar and pray. They need to hear us have a conversation about the message and how God used it to minister to us. They need to be able to ask questions. Amen? And maybe they're going to sit there and they got a piece of paper and they're going to doodle for a little while and they're going to draw. And there's sometimes my daughter does that. But we all are aware of this. Kids hear more than we think they hear. And maybe they, sometimes maybe they go to sleep. That's all right. Maybe for a little while to them, it's just boring to sit there. It's just boring to just sit there in church, Daddy. It's just boring to sit there, Mommy. But one day, the light goes off. And suddenly they understand the importance and the significance of it. And you'll be glad when that was, became real to them. You cannot, you cannot diminish the importance of worshiping together and growing together as a family. And your children need to see you worshiping, singing, giving, praying. Thirdly, turn your Bible to Psalm 78. An important factor of the spiritual health of our children is that the parents are all in. All in. Psalm 78. It's an extraordinary chapter. We're going to focus on the first eight verses this morning. Verse number one, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. 
For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. For 40 long years, God's children wandered in the wilderness because mom and dad refused to participate in a life of faith and service towards God. God says, let's go together. We're going to go together. Dad's going to lead their families, and we're going to go into the promised land, and I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. The battles are going to be tough, but I am going to be with you and bless you, and I'm going to give you the victory. But moms and dads said, no, we cannot do that. We refuse to go. It's too difficult. It's too challenging. We will not go. And so the result was the next 40 years, they just wandered around. And God couldn't bless the kids until mom and dad died. Don't leave that legacy in heritage. Research backs up that there's a noticeable distinction between parents' attendance and parents' service. Going to church as a family is a good thing. But if we really want our kids to love the Lord and His church, evidence proves that they are much more likely to stay if they witness mom and dad faithfully serving. They saw victories. They saw an example of what Christian service is, what ministry is. You'll see on the screen, Dr. James Dobson wrote in his book, Parenting Isn't for Cowards, children want to know what is most important to us. If we hope to instill within them a faith that will last a lifetime, they must see and feel our passion for God. He goes on to say, parents can count on their faith or faithlessness demonstrated by their children to be a solid reflection of the parent's spiritual life. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, please. Matthew 22. Look with me in verse 37 and verse 38. Jesus said unto them, notice in verse 36, the question is asked, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto them, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Dr. Tom Kreitz writes, Do not let your children see you serving or loving God with some of your heart or even with most of your heart. But let them see you serving and loving God with all of your heart. All of your heart. 
Parents being all in has an effect upon their children's faith. I want us to see also a fourth contributing factor in our children's spiritual health is their view of Scripture. Now we know from the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, the devil has tried to attack the Word of God. He has confused people concerning the Word of God. Those that shared that they had a high or very high view of Scripture were 84% more likely to have stayed connected to a local church in their young adult years. Jesus stated in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You can't get any more absolute than that. Amen? Jesus said that. Thy word is truth. Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says that the, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm trusting the word of God to sh- give me direction in where I'm going and where, where I need to be going and the decisions that I need to make in life. The word of God needs to be my final authority in all matters of faith and practice. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, The Apostle Paul writes, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Turn to, go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I want you to read these verses and I want you to mark these verses and highlight them. Remember them. As parents, we have a responsibility to teach our children the Word of God and place a high emphasis upon its authority and guidance in our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. I believe we've heard that before, haven't we? And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest The Word of God needs to be a discussion point in the home. I want to encourage every mom and dad to let your children see you reading your Bible. I'll tell you something that had a great impact upon me in in high school. Uh, Every day in my ninth and 10th grade year when I couldn't drive, my mother worked at uh, Riverton uh, Middle School. And so I would ride the bus from Riverton Middle School to the high school. In the afternoon, I would ride it back, and then I'd ride home with her. Every afternoon, I'd get on a particular bus, and uh, that bus was driven by uh, Larry Johnson. Uh, Paul Johnson, his wife, been visiting our church as his dad. He was a pastor in our community. Larry Johnson never witnessed to me. But he had a powerful impact upon me. Every day when I got on the bus, he was sitting in his driver's seat with his Bible open, reading the Bible. 
That convicted me every day. He didn't preach a sermon, but it impacted me. The Bible meant something to that guy. And he was an example. And the Bible should mean something to us as parents. And our children should see us reading the Bible. And they ought to hear how the Word of God is impacting our life. It's important for them to know and be able to say, the Bible is real to my daddy and it has an effect on him. But even better than that, give your children the blessing of hearing you read it to them. My dad used to come into my bedroom when I was a little boy and he would read the Bible to me. And I know that it had an impact upon me coming to Christ as an eight-year-old. I remember asking questions. Verily, verily, I said, Dad, what is verily, verily? What does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? I asked those questions because I heard the Bible being read. It's important for us to equip them and encourage them in the Bible. The Bible is God's word. That it matters to us. And it teaches them that it has the ability to navigate all our ways. And lastly, I speak to the children. One final important factor in regards to the spiritual health of our kids <coughs> is the fact that children need to get committed themselves. At some point, you've got to make a decision to walk with God. Whether you're consciously aware of it or not, many of you are enjoying the blessings of God because of the faith of your parents. Not your faith. You, you express the goodness of God. You know the goodness of God because your parents have made God an important part of their life. And they have made difficult decisions that you don't know anything about. And they have made choices that often has cost them dearly. But you don't know that. But the result is God's hand has been upon your family. It's been upon your household. And you get to experience the goodness of God and rejoice. And have a reason to praise the Lord. In a way, you're spiritually spoiled. And for some reason, oftentimes, our kids take those blessings for granted as if they're just rightfully theirs. You're in Deuteronomy, right? Turn a couple of books to your right to Joshua, then Judges, chapter 2. We've been going through the book of Joshua. How God leads his people into the promised land. We think of Joshua's decision, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made that decision before anyone else said that's what we're going to do. He made that decision because it was right. Look with me in verse number 6 of Judges 2. 
And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal, and Asheroth. Those, those children were raised in God-fearing homes. Those children experienced the blessing of God and were in the promised land because their daddies fought battles to get them there. But somewhere along the line, their faith, daddy's faith didn't become their faith. Their willingness to make, take a stand and make decisions wasn't their desire. And the question is, when are we going to begin receiving our own blessings as children? When will we decide that we want to get committed ourselves? Research has shown that 71% of young people are more likely to stay in church when they get off on their own if they make a personal commitment to grow in their faith. At some point, the faith of your parents, your pastor, your church will have to become your personal faith. Amen? You've got to decide to get in the Bible and read it. You've got to decide to pray. You've got to decide to be a soul winner. You've got to decide to make decisions because they are right, not because they are popular. You've got to make that decision. Don't be a cultural Christian. Cultural Christian has been around the church long enough to be familiar with its vocabulary, its customs, and its beliefs without ever internalizing them for their own. They attend church regularly, wear the right clothes, say the right things, and perform the best of deeds. And I see that in teenagers all the time that's been raised in church. They know all the answers. They've heard it preached all their life. But it's never became theirs. And I'm calling you guys out. And I'm calling all of us out who have just made church Christianity, a culture, and not a personal commitment. A committed Christian is one who's determined to grow in their faith and relationship with God through Christ and His Word. A committed Christian is both Christ-like and Christ-exalting.
So I close with the four final questions that we're going to run right through. And I want you to ask them. Number one, when was the last time my children, or in your, your case, maybe my parents, witnessed the Spirit of God move me? When's the last time I got excited in church? When's the last time that I obeyed the Spirit of God and acted out of my comfort zone? That I did something that they would say, that's not, that's not normal. And we can say, well, God led me to do it. Number two, when was the last time my children or my parents heard me praise the Lord for something he did? Every believer should make it a practice of finding reasons to praise God. Number three, when was the last time my kids or my parents saw me trust God to do something big rather than question if he was even capable? I'm going to step out on faith here and see what God might do. Number four, what will it take for my children or my parents to see me turn my heart toward God? What will it take? Don't let it be a tragedy or some life-altering event. It's as simple as saying, today, my heart belongs to the Lord. Let's bow our heads.